podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to series two of the She Can, She Do podcast after a somewhat extended hiatus throughout December last year. I hope 2020 is treating you marvellously so far. January's always a funny one, isn't it? Sometimes it feels like it takes a while to warm up again and get back in the groove of this whole running a business malarkey. But I've got everything crossed that you're having a good week so far, a productive week so far, and are ploughing away at whatever goal you've got your mind set on at present. Do you know, I remember when the email from today's guest came through. The subject line read along the lines of Duchess of Cambridge wears British made life jacket by brother sister startup. Something like that. And being the hardcore royalist I am, love me the crown, uh, highly recommend if you haven't watched it, who also happens to always find interesting when siblings slash family in general go into business with one another because I'm nosy about relationships like that. It didn't take long for me to get this chat scheduled in the diary. Having co-founded Timo Marines six years ago to combat a recurring problem that had led to a number of fatalities in the British sailing community. 30-year-old Lauren Mead and her brother Oscar's business has gone on to win an international accolade for its world-first life jacket design that is now heavily regarded by the international sailing community and, as her initial email made reference to, was even worn by the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge at the King's Cup Regatta on the Isle of Wight last year. From her advice on how to best approach a crowdfunding campaign, given that Timo Marine went on to successfully raise £270,000 in the spring of 2018, and why they opted to move all production of the life jackets from China to Southampton thereafter, their experiences patenting Oscar's design early on, and why they're now unwaveringly confident when standing up to any sceptical comments that might come their way, what she's learned from being on the other side of the interview process when hiring a team, and her really, really valuable advice, which will definitely stick with me on how best to remain rational instead of taking things personally when you're the boss to some good old self-care tips and tricks which let's face it we all need to apply more of this year it's hard not to admire a business that genuinely saves lives if you ask me but lauren's clear vision and purpose-led ambition for her brand is genuinely infectious and i have a feeling each and every one of us will be able to learn a lot from her story whether you've got a long car journey ahead you're on a plane you're milking the cows you're in your office workshop whatever it might be i really really hope you enjoy the episode we make and design life jackets and safety products for sailors but not just your average life jacket not just your average life jacket no. <laughs> um, basically we make the only life jacket that can turn the wearer face up if they fall over the side whilst they're clipped on so all sailors are told when they're at sea particularly overnight and that kind of stuff you need to have a safety tether that connects you to the boat because it's just so easy to fall overboard particularly in really windy weather and so what happens with existing life jackets is because you clip on at the front sort of around your belly button area you if you do fall over the side you get towed face down next to the boat and even if you're a really strong swimmer you just can't lift your face clear of the water and we kind of only really became aware of the problem when there were a number of fatalities and accidents that were happening in the British sailing community but also all around the world and we decided it just wasn't good enough and my brother is a product designer and he came up with this design that could turn you face up and we couldn't find anybody that wanted to kind of take his design on I think at that point the other life jacket businesses were 
a bit wary about taking something like that on and we were very much the outside kids we were you know the unknowns coming in with this idea um, and so everybody said no thanks and we just thought well the only way to do this then is to start our own business that's amazing and I'm presuming you are from a sailing background yes <laughs> yes yes, yes. <laughs> you didn't um, just hear about the fatalities and thought I'll fix it you definitely were very much in that community completely yeah my grandfather was a sailor my father's a sailor so is my mum and all of her side of the family uh, very much sitting between racing and cruising and so we knew the sailing world really well and I think that that helped that we were the end user ourselves so we wear life jackets all the time we know what's good about them what's bad about them and I think we could just come in and say oh there are all these points that we could improve with mm. just a little bit of innovation here or a little bit of outside the box thinking maybe yeah definitely so I'm, I'm trying to like piece it together so you notice the problem Oscar kind of comes up with this new design I guess I used to like sketch little ideas out on paper and you kind of have these dreams and but actually making that yeah what whatever you've come up with is a completely different story and turning it into a business so when Oscar did design this what was the kind of process that you both went through given that you left your former career to kind yeah. of join this venture yeah. Well, like, talk me through those steps that got it off the ground. It's quite a process. Yeah. Uh, for sure, it's a process. Uh, you have to really want to do this. You have to really believe in your design if you're going to go down this route, particularly with safety products, because there's so much certification and testing that goes around it before you're just allowed to make it and put it out there into the world. Mm. With this particular product, the Bacto Life Jacket, actually it was inspired very directly by a single accident that kind of put the whole problem on our radar. I was out one night doing an overnight race with a team that I was part of, of, um, this was a few years ago, and uh, it was a really windy night, and one of the competitors on another boat had this exact problem happen to them, where the skipper was a very experienced sailor, he was wearing a top-end life jacket, he did everything right, and he accidentally fell overboard, and he didn't make it back. And we heard about the accident on the radio. It was really traumatic, you know, you knew there was a huge problem happening just over there, just out of sight, that you couldn't help at all, and then the news came through that he'd passed away, and that really shook all of us and I went finished the race went back home the next day and said to my dad and my brother you'll never guess what but someone someone passed away on the race last night and we sort of described we worked out what had happened and Oscar said that's ridiculous you know here's an idea and he just he just drew it on the newspaper really on the family kitchen table and my dad said that's you know that's really smart and they went and off and did a, did a bit of research and found that no one had ever done anything like this before that's what I love about good inventions because they're just always so obvious yeah. why has no one thought of that. It's like you just when you when you're the first to think about it, it's like totally <laughs> yeah totally. Loads of people have said that to yeah. us. Like, how has this never been done before? Yeah. I think the reason for that actually is that maybe 30 years ago boats weren't going as fast as they are now. You know, technology has come all the way through sailing as a sport and also for leisure cruisers. And so 30 years ago maybe this wasn't such an issue but it is now. Mm -hmm. And so when we were designing, we're like designing for what people actually do on the water, the conditions they're really facing, not kind of hypothetical scenarios that the test house might say you should design a life jacket that can keep you safe in just a certain parameter of conditions and actually this life jacket is designed to keep you safe in anything that nature could throw at you basically. That's amazing. Um, so is it that just that kind of coming from the industry seeing his design and just thinking that that's got legs was it just that passion that kind of took over that made you say Oscar I want to let's go for this because do you know what I mean yeah. I'm so interested to know what made you leave your job and all of that kind of thing to really 
was kind of, the way it happened was, so my, my brother, he had the concept idea, but we didn't actually know whether it worked or not. So we got hold of an, an, a life jacket we already owned, and he went to town on it with a sewing machine, and he kind of cut it all up, and kind of as you would, I think, as a student working towards any kind of product design, you make a very rough prototype, and then you go and test it. And so for him, that involved putting it on, jumping out of a small rib or a small speedboat <laughs> that we could get access to, and then driving the speedboat and seeing what happened. God, that's brave. It was brave, yeah. I, was, I got videos of the day and we were all quite yeah. nervous, actually. <laughs> and he, from that starting point, refined it and refined it and refined it. And it took a long time. It took us four years to get the approvals we needed to be able to sell commercially. Wow. So that's what I mean about if you have a product that you've got in mind, do as many tests as you can and don't stop because you'll find hurdles inevitably will crop up like there's so many times that we got really close to just saying oh this is just too difficult or too expensive or this problem seems insurmountable um, and we kind of got around that by making more samples going and showing them to other people in the industry and saying have you thought about this or they would give us good feedback you know and we could yeah. revise it and then move forward another step. I think I'm really interested in you just said that going and getting advice from the industry I'm always interested when the idea is that good it hasn't been done what if if you make it and there's money behind it it will have legs were you ever worried about people taking that idea and running with it because that's the thing you know I've, I've always I'm spit down the middle when it comes to you know getting advice from your I suppose people in the industry mm. I don't know what no, I'm, I'm, I think I know what you mean somewhere. yeah I mean there's always that risk it, haven't, haven't you? we have yeah. patented it now and that was a kind of very conscious decision we went right down that road thinking no one has ever done this will someone try and rip it off we thought that there was a quite high chance that might happen if we got enough exposure that other brands would suddenly go oh yeah this is a problem that sailors have got that we need to solve and, and there is this solution because they're and they're already. much bigger than us yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I for us patenting it was the right road I think but it was a big financial commitment and we had to plan for that and with patents obviously you have yearly renewals and you have to pick which countries you want your patent to be active in and stuff so you can really run up a big bill and you have to be very targeted I think in in what you cover what areas you cover um, and working with a patent lawyer is absolutely key I, I think you can put patents through on your own but particularly if you've got something that is very technical like this yeah. I think you just need professional I support got a lawyer just to help me trademark she can she did yeah. and that's just that's just a name like because I didn't want to the minute I feel like legal stuff's involved I just didn't want to mess it up yes like, yeah. someone help me yeah exactly yeah. so I can only imagine like when it's when it's a design like that and it's a concept yes and it's clearly worth a lot you know it's it's yeah I'd, I'd don't blame you one bit. For I think starting your own business, you end up learning so much about so many different yeah, areas. Yeah. So you learn a little bit about law, you learn a lot about accounting, yeah. you learn a lot about employment law, oh, like <laughs> everything. It is a minefield, yeah. And I think one of the things is it can feel like you've got to outsource and look for other professional information on all of those things. Whereas actually, if you do as much reading as you can, it'll always stand you in good stead because mm -hmm. then you will be able to just double check. You know, not the professionals aren't always right. It's definitely yeah, worth, yeah. you get advice from your lawyer, for instance, and you think, well, that doesn't sound quite right. Yeah. For whatever reason, just because you read something random on the internet, yeah. you ask them another question and you might actually find that they've missed something as well. It's, oh God, it does teach you a lot. Her, my sister had that with her accountant the other day. Like mm. her accountancy fees came back and they were 
like minuscule. Like you think it'd be the other way around. Yeah. And my sister was like, hang on, so you haven't even charged me for the fees I pay you. Like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you obviously mentioned as well the finances when there's all of that testing. You didn't get it to market for four years. Yeah. How did you go about? financing the whole thing from the outset. We were very lucky in that our family committed to put a certain amount of capital behind us to get us going but we very quickly realised that this was going to be something that cost probably three times as much as we thought it was going to and that there was no way we would feel comfortable asking for that kind of investment. So what we actually did was we crowdfunded and we partnered with Crowdcube in May last year, 2018. And so with that, it's a little bit different to Kickstarter. So rather than giving away product in return for investment that you're raising, you're giving away equity in your business. Why did you go with them? We we chose Crowdcube rather than any other crowdfunder. You wouldn't give them a life jacket, would that? There's nothing. We knew we had to give away equity. There's still options. So we went with Crowdcube, but there are others as Cedar and, oh, I can't think of a name right now, but there was probably half a dozen or more kind of investment platforms that kind of facilitate that whole project. Um, We'd heard really good things about Crowdcube, and they're the biggest crowdfunding platform in the UK now. Um, I think um, Pippa Murray of Pippa Nut, she went on Crowdcube. She did. Yeah, she she did. Yeah, she is. She's hugely successful. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, that's a really great example of where crowdfunding works amazingly well. Mm -hmm. And it was great for us as well. So with that, you have a certain amount that you need to raise and you're going to give away a certain percentage of your business in return. And then once the clock starts, you have 30 days to get the total amount. Otherwise, you get nothing. I think people are kind of quite comfortable with that model these days. And we managed to overfund in the end. So we had loads of interest, which was great. And we were really lucky. We had quite a lot of press coverage as well. And I think because people recognise that this is something new, that has a really good purpose like it's yeah. there to save lives yeah, yeah. I mean, that, what's it's not a gimmicky what, product yeah, what's better than that you know mm, exactly yeah and taking crowdfunding on meant that we could suddenly go and do all these things that we couldn't before so we used to for instance do our first bit of production in China and that was just because it was the accepted route that's what the majority of the players in our industry do and so we kind of like oh that's just what you do but actually it comes with its own set of problems Mm. like managing quality control when you're doing production 10,000 miles away is really difficult so what we did with some of the crowdfunding money was we actually opened a factory in the UK in Southampton so now rolls of fabric turn up at Timo and life jackets leave and we handle everything from start to finish in-house but it means that we get to like really closely monitor the quality and if we get feedback from customers saying oh this was great but I would really like it if my life jacket had a little extra bit of fabric so that I could hang it up at the end of the day that was one piece that we actually had a couple of months in then we can say yeah that's no problem like we'll start doing that in the next run which starts oh on Friday you know like (laughs) and that's that's incredible because that's one of those obvious like oh yeah it does need a hook but that's what I love about feedback like that because sometimes you're so absorbed in the kind of bigger picture but like what the kind of values behind the brand are and all of these things. Exactly. Like kind of a hook to hang it up is just it's like, how did you not think yeah, exactly. <laughs> like feedback. So, yeah, yeah. so, so good. Totally. And then going back to the campaign quickly, the crowdfunding mm-hmm. campaign, what did that pressure feel like? Because I always think, you know, when you're, you've given 30 days, granted you exceeded it at the end, but that's good to, like, you can look back in hindsight and say that, whereas at the beginning you didn't know that was obviously going to happen. No. So how did you approach that whole campaign to make sure that your story, everything, the brand, it, it 
sold. Yeah, it was an incredibly stressful time, to be completely honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I've only ever heard it that was, response, but yeah. like, I like delving into it. Yeah, before we started the campaign, I went and spoke to some other business owners who'd also successfully crowdfunded, and they said to me two things. One of them was, get all of your images that you want to use for your marketing pre set so that you're not trying to create graphics in the middle of yeah. this campaign raise and secondly make sure that you have all of your company structure every, all your paperwork at company's house make sure it's absolutely watertight because suddenly loads of people are going to be looking at it whereas before it was probably just you and your co-founder and that was it and you know make sure that you've dotted the i's and crossed the t's and all the rest yeah. of it and we thought that we had done both of those things and then as we went through it we suddenly went oh my god no <laughs> there's loads more that we could have done i think that you probably only learn that by just going through it but yeah that i mean it's a really boring piece of advice but be prepared no 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 but it's again it's like those obvious things where it's so easy to say it and it's and it's kind of it sounds so trite that advice but equally it's it's advice like that that is needed. Like that's actually what you yeah, have to yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might be not the most sexy like, advice, but that's yeah. the, the reality. Exactly. Is. Yeah. Make sure that you've got a folder on your desktop with all of your marketing graphics laid out, because I guarantee that like ten days in, you'll be feeling a bit fried. You're a bit worried that you're not going to meet your total target, and suddenly, can you find your logo file or something that you <laughs> use every day the rest of the time? No, you can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have it all in one place. And they're, they're, it's a real roller coaster. Like I remember, so we raised two hundred and seventy thousand pounds in total for that raise, and. I remember when we broke £100,000, my brother and I had been in the office and we were just, we were really nervous and it was like, it was such a milestone, like that first, first 100000 like, how do we do this, how do we do this? And I went out to make a coffee and when I came back in, he was sitting at the table really still. He said, Lauren, I thought something terrible had happened. <laughs> We just, we just went past £100,000. That was a really incredible moment that yeah, will just stay with me for a really long time. Massively. And I think that's the kind of, it's that validation that people not only believe in the concept, but they believe in you to bring it to life. Like, yes. And that's so important. Like, I think that's the best feeling. I yes, yeah. yeah. I guess you have it whatever industry you operate in. As soon as you have investors and you, you always obviously want the business to be successful because that's why you got into business, hopefully, in the <laughs> first place. But, but when you've got somebody else's investment that you're looking after and you actively, obviously, you want them to get a return on that trust and belief that they put in you in the first place, that's quite a lot of pressure. And then when you're making a safety product as well, just from a sort of practical day-to-day -day thing, you obviously want to make sure the quality is super high because people are literally trusting you with their lives uh, you know on a stormy night when they reach and put your life jacket on to their body yeah. that is a huge source of pride and stress at the same time I can, on, I can, honestly when you put it like that only imagine like that mm. really is like yeah yeah when you kind of think the what ifs that's like a, a Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. I, I had a friend who sent me a photograph of themselves sailing in the Sydney to Hobart race last Christmas, doing, it was a really windy night, so they had like 50 knots sailing through Bass Strait or wherever they were at that point of the race. And I have 150% confidence in our design. Like It's a yeah. really good life jacket. And even with all of that belief, you look at it and you think, wow, please be careful out there. Like yeah. The ocean is brutal. And, and that is quite an amazing feeling. Hard to describe. Yeah, no, I can only imagine. an Oscars role how did you approach going into business with your brother and like how has your relationship as like brother sister but also co-founders evolved throughout this process we were always very close growing up anyway because you're older I'm older than Oscar by 18 months yeah no, that really and is close. it's quite, quite close, close yeah. yeah we 
have completely different skill sets and I think that is part of the reason that we managed to work together so well. He's very much on the design side, he's a creative genius and absolutely chaotic when it comes to paperwork <laughs> and I don't have that creative gene but I really like systems and I really like organising things and making plans together kind of works because of those two different skills. Yeah. We are quite lucky in that we have a very clear vision about where we want to go with the business, which makes it a lot easier. Um, I've talked to other founders who kind of want to go off in different directions, mm -hmm. and I think that that would just be so difficult to accommodate both, or even impossible, possibly. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever disagreed on anything? We go through peaks and phases where <laughs> it is difficult <laughs> to sit next to your sibling all day, yeah. and I am definitely a big advocate of sound counselling headphones, you know, <laughs> or going for a strategic walk every now and then when yeah. you just can't be near each other. Yeah. <laughs> But actual arguing or disagreeing over something fundamental, it's incredibly rare. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. I think the like niggles when it comes to Cape founders, what I've heard is, yes, it's it's completely normal to have those trivial niggles, but yeah. the actual, when you're disagreeing on the values in the long term, that's when you need to worry. But like, exactly. if you're tight on that, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've and got totally different tastes in music, so after work, <laughs> when the production team go home, we tend to put the music on really loud, because we always end up working a few hours later than everybody else, yeah. and I just can't be in the same room when his music's playing. That's actually <laughs> where we've got to that's the biggest problem so we go and work at opposite ends of the building and just be like I'll see you at seven yeah <laughs> and what about things like Christmas do you really switch off as kind of co-founders are you back to just family like in terms of outside of work in inverted mm -hmm. commas obviously yeah. work there's no nine to five is it it's always there but yeah. like things like holidays do you socialise just as brothers and sisters now? Or does it always fall back into business? We try and have a rule to not talk about work out of work hours if we can. It yeah. does often crop up, obviously. But genuinely, I think that he is a really great guy and we will just go and hang out and walk the dog or spend family time quite happily all together. Yeah, I, I think because we're all actually still really passionate about the sport as well. So we all do a lot of sailing, including my dad. He's always out on the race course as well. And so because of that, we're always comparing notes that are just talking about boats. Like, oh, did you see that so-and-so just won the world championships? Or there's a race that's about to start in a couple of weeks' time going from France to Brazil. And we've got friends who are doing it. And so we're all really excited for them. So we're talking about the sport the whole time. And then as part of that, quite often producty stuff will slip in. But yeah, yeah. it kind of feels relevant. So. And also, when you're that passionate about it, it's like, so what if it work comes into play like yeah it's, it's all part of the puzzle isn't it mm. you mentioned a team there that, that yeah let's talk about that because if i look back on the past interviews managing a team when mm. any of the women like have, have a team that's been one of their hardest challenges so how have you found that role it is something that you learn to do and was quite difficult at the beginning. I think even just the process of interviewing people, for instance, if you've always been on the other side of the interview table and suddenly you're the one who is reviewing CVs, deciding who you want to invite in and then trying to ask some questions, it's tricky. It makes you realise how difficult it is to actually assess somebody in 20 minutes that you've got or half an hour to then say, yes, please come and join my business. I think that we are the same sort of person and we could build a good team. It's phenomenally difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think that you'll always end up making one or two learning experiences experiences along the way we definitely did the same thing where we had a couple of people who were lovely but just not the right fit yeah. and then you have to make the hard decision of right now I've got to let this person go and you never want to be the one who has to deliver that news it's mm. really difficult whether they've been with you for a few months or longer it is hard mm. I think that you learn not to take it personally business actually isn't personal but it's the reality that yeah 
it's like when you're learning on the job like that, it's not always going to go to plan. So yes. you have to wear that hat, and it's not obviously going to be a comfortable one. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, those difficult conversations. I can only imagine must be. It actually comes down to looking after yourself as a founder as well, making sure that you're you've got a good work-life balance when you can, because there will definitely be crazy periods, mm-hmm. and there you know you're getting enough sleep and exercise and all the things that your mother tells you to do yeah, all of your childhood. That's so important. Yeah, it's but it lets you feel balanced because then you can make rational decisions that aren't taking things personally. I know that I'm when I'm approaching being burnt out or stressed by something, I start taking everything incredibly personally, mm-hmm. and it's usually a bit of a signal to me that I was like, right, I need to go and spend some time with the dog, go running, just yeah. go and get out of my own head for a bit because this actually isn't. About me this is just a theoretical business case study and if you can think about it in that third person a a lot of the stress will go away yeah. but I think you make better decisions as well yeah no, that's such good advice and let's let's roll with these challenges more mm. obviously you know I love them so other than that you know what's been the hardest hat to wear since launching this and how have the challenges evolved as well as the business has taken off? Yeah. Because I can imagine the challenges in the early days versus now are just completely different. It is different. And I think, I mean, in the early days, literally Oscar and I were helping to finish the product, you know, sitting on the sewing machine and finishing elements of it. We would then help pack the life jackets to make sure they were all packed properly, tape it up in a box and book it into the... We would do everything from start to finish alongside the team. Mm-hmm. And actually as the business has grown you don't have to do those jobs and actually you shouldn't be like I think part of the thing that we've learned is delegating those roles that actually take loads of time I think it's really important to do them so that you know like it can be exhausting in the long run like it's like packing I know it sounds silly but when you're doing that for hours on end exactly that's that's long (laughs) it really is it really is and I think it's good to have done it for a phase of the business life so you know what it takes and you know what it's like and you can empathise with whoever's now doing it as well or jump back in if suddenly they say oh you know what I can't come in sorry I'm sick but all of your orders have still got to go out you better know how to do it yeah definitely Um, but in terms of how the roles have changed Oscar and I are both quite active planners in the sense that we look forwards and say right in six months time this element of the role needs to be handled either by somebody else or needs to have a new system put in place because it's not suiting to today's purpose anymore mm-hmm. kind of where you start you outgrow stuff I think quite quickly if your business is growing and obviously the lifeblood of any business is, is the sales you've got to keep your sales coming in and you've got to keep your customers happy and so in some ways as founders we are more focused on that and somebody else has got to be the one who says you know what actually we need to order more shipping tape we need yeah. to send boxes out more quickly or whatever Whatever the, the niggle is that's holding up the bigger goal. Yeah. And how often do you both check in for those kind of long-term thinking plans? Probably not as often as we should, honestly. <laughs> we, we've just done it this week, and I think that's why it's kind of at the front yeah. of my mind. Uh, <laughs> you like, nailed it. Yeah, exactly. Just this week. Uh, I guess... To be honest, at the rate things change, we could ideally do with doing that weekly mm-hmm. at the moment, but yeah. we don't. We probably do it three weekly or once a monthly, yeah. and we're trying really hard to put that in place so that we've got a set time each week, ideally on a Monday morning where you get the, everybody else sets off and then you sit down and say, right, what are we changing now? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we improving? What's not working? We've also got this 
saying between us, which is that no, no one can be good at everything. So we often ask each other, what are you not doing? Like, what are you actively avoiding? Because I, for instance, I personally don't really love doing accounts. I'm not naturally oh, suited to it. Yeah, well, like, who does? I really want to be that person. I guess accountants. Well, I don't know, actually. Even accountants sometimes, I think, don't love it. But Oscar is really good at some elements of bookkeeping, and I'm really good compared to him at other elements. So we quite often will send those back and forwards because I'll just say, you know what, this is hanging over me. I'm, I'm not 100% sure that I'm doing this as well as we could, so I'm putting it off, I'm procrastinating. And then he'll say, right, well, I'll do it. And same vice versa. Podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Let's talk proud moments. I think I know what it's going to be. Um, do you want to tell you? You reached out the day after. What happened? <laughs> we were really lucky and surprised to see the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge wearing our life jackets for the King's Cup in the summer. Yeah. It was... And those photos were stunning as well of, of the couple. It was so lovely. They were so... Um, in terms of product photography for you, you can't yeah. beat that. Yeah. It was just amazing. I hope they had a genuinely good day because the photographs, they look like they're having a lot of fun yeah. and it was... A, really good sailing day and I you think it, it looked it looked great yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were obviously really stoked to see that they had Timo life jackets on we didn't know before they actually went on the water that they were definitely going to be wearing them oh, really? at all so so how did it work did you kind of send some to the press office or like how did it work we heard a couple of days beforehand that they might not have life jackets for the event <laughs> and we're really close uh, the event was happening on the Isle of Wight and we're based in Southampton it was just before Cowsweet okay. yeah so we said well we're just over the water we're a couple of miles away we'll we'll run some over to you and so we did with about two hours turnaround we went okay quick we're gonna do this like you have to grab the opportunity, opportunity. Yeah, 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 you don't miss um, that. but we didn't know for sure because we thought well there's pretty high chance that they'll find some other life jackets or you know another brand will try and do the same thing so we didn't have any guarantee that it was going to happen at all and so we kind of delivered them and said hope that they like them and yeah we'll just see and then as they kind of I mean the media circus that goes around the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge is huge (laughs) so the moment that they stepped out of the squadron and started walking down to the boats pictures started appearing online and so people were saying to us they're wearing your life jackets and that was really lovely future king of England that's quite cool oh it was amazing yeah Yeah, it was it was really incredible and we you know when the pictures started coming out we said to the guys in production like come through come through we've got something to show you and it was this really emotional moment where we all stood around the computer and oh my god like actually wow Um, like a couple of people were a bit teary I felt a bit teary even you know honestly like I I would be (laughs) yeah we were like wow we made it here like we made it in the production department just over there and now they're wearing it and that was just a really, really nice yeah, thing to see. Any other proud moments? We've been worn, our life jacket's been worn and reviewed by a couple of really good sailors. Mm-hmm. Um, and also sailing YouTube channels are an absolutely massive thing that people outside of sailing may not know about. So yeah. uh, one of the things I was really proud to see was there is a, a Canadian and Haitian YouTube couple called Dan and Kika. Their sailing YouTube channel is Sailing Uma. And if you're in sailing 
Yeah. These, are, these guys are really popular. We met them at the Southampton Boat Show last year, and a few months later they bought a couple of our jackets. And so we didn't know that they were going to do a product review or anything like that, but at some point after they received their jackets, they obviously decided to make a video of their back-toe life jackets and put that online, and, and that got a huge number of views in the first week after it went live. And so I was really proud to sort of see, see that kind of thing, like seeing people who have just bought your jacket, independently reviewed it, and said, this is really comfortable, this works really well, here I'll show you how it works and they literally jumped in the water in their life jackets and set it off and showed their viewers how it all worked. So that kind of thing, it really validates everything that you're pushing for the whole time. Yeah, We've had other industry players who've tried to rubbish our design. I think, you know, they've said things like, oh, I think you're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist, for instance, which we can just point at the deaths and accidents that have happened and say, well, that's fundamentally not true. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just is not the case. People definitely need this technology. And, um, and, and do you say that? Or is it just that you, you are quite, as a brand, vocal about coming back at targeted criticism, criticism like, like that. that. They've said that to us directly rather than saying it in the press. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's in that sense, it's very oh, much sticking wow. up for yourself yeah, yeah. and saying, no, I believe in this enough that A, I'm going to put my time and energy and money into this, mm-hmm. but also I'm determined that this is going to get to market. And then when customers turn around and say, yeah, I'm going to choose your life jacket because of this, it just validates everything that you believed in and yeah. that you fought for. Yeah, definitely. And just kind of rolling with that topic in general, how have the kind of wider sailing community, those responses, how have they generally... Like, how's it been received? Yeah, how, 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 has, how has it been received? That's yeah. what's wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been received really well. Kind of across the board, we've always had that response of, this is so simple, why has no one ever done it before, as we were kind of saying earlier. But from the kind of competitor, um, other... Oh, other brands. Jackets, yeah. Have you had any kind of pats on the back, being like, actually, fair play, guys, you, you did work with, like... We've privately had a couple of those and I think also the longer you stay in business the more aware I guess at the beginning they probably were like this these are just two kids yeah, with a silly yeah. idea they won't last very long and we've been in business for six years now and so I think that there is definitely an, an awareness of the technology at least at all levels of the industry now which is great Oscar is in contact with other life jacket designers for instance and they will say you know yeah nice Nice one, basically yeah. keep going. And the patent means that they, no one else, they can't. They can't do it, it no. Yeah. Although actually our business position is that we don't want to kind of hog that technology. Mm-hmm. We've got other products that we would really like to go and focus on and move on to. And so from our point of view, we'd be really happy to license the technology, and you know, not at some crazy ridiculous price that is not realistic, but more just as a way of getting it out there across the market, because we just think it's something that all life jackets should, should do. do. It's yeah. kind of a fundamental. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. why don't they? And the patent is there really to recognise Oscar's design skill and Oscar's work that's gone into it, not to try and stop anyone else particularly from being able to offer it. You know, it's something that could be put into all brands of life jackets, actually. And we'd be really happy to have those conversations. We have started those conversations, so hopefully in the next few years you'll kind of start seeing this as a standard that all life jackets will turn you the right way up if you go to the side clipped on. No, it's so good. And it it just shows your... I guess your values as a brand it's so important to kind of protect it what to just while your brand's taking off to make sure that no one jumps in there before you like, yeah exactly so you know now your brand is always going to be associated as the first to design that yeah but I get that yeah it ultimately is saving lives so why wouldn't you roll that out and let yeah. everyone kind of do it yeah, yeah makes exactly. sense 
Moving on to you as a woman, as yes, well as, yeah. a, as a, a, a co-founder, you mentioned burnout and stuff. I'm really intrigued to kind of find out about how you look after yourself on a day-to-day basis because mm. you obviously mentioned you notice yourself burning out sometimes. What does that look like? And, and can you expand, I suppose, on just day-to-day making sure you're looking after yourself? Yeah. I guess I only know this because I've got it wrong so many times. Yeah. And I definitely have worked way too hard and been stressed out and burnt out at various points more than once and I think that you start to recognize the signals in yourself for me it's usually that I I find actually I find it very difficult to focus if I am very stressed I my attention is pulled in five different directions all at once and as a result you're not doing anything very efficiently anymore so that's a huge warning sign secondly for me I'm I wouldn't say I'm an exercise nut but I am much happier when I'm doing regular exercise and yeah yeah, exactly like honest to god that that is my I just go to if I don't have to have right? a few days I'm just yeah. I get antsy yes uh, totally and you know I have a dog so I have a really good reason <laughs> to go for a long walk at least every day yeah. and it doesn't have to be some like mega high intensity gym class it could just literally be going for a walk around the the common with the dog yeah. and getting a bit of headspace and realising what is important again mm. and then you know all the usual things drink lots of water yeah. lots of vegetables <laughs> blah 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 but it's again it's it's it's, it's such important check in and yeah. listen to your body yeah it's so funny last night I got back from London and I normally I quite rigid with having a Wednesday off for workouts and sometimes Sundays so I normally plan to do a workout on Friday mornings always yeah. and it was just that like no set your alarm later sleep in exactly and today I know full well I've obviously come in for this but I'll go home and just have a chilled weekend yes and it's like I just need to listen to my body yeah. I'm not going to push myself I can't afford to be ill exactly you're, you're not burning out but you're getting tired yeah like, slow down yeah exactly slowing yourself down before you get to that point where you are completely just on the floor yeah. <laughs> you know is something I think you learn yeah. over time so, so true um, and yeah just get as much sleep and we're all so disconnected from mm-hmm. nature and we're all based just animals at the end of the day right so yeah. kind of go back to the basics and, and look after sea. yourself I'm so envious like the sea I feel like I have like, to see the sea every yeah. day to stay yeah. happy <laughs> no, but like honestly honestly every time I see the, the coast you just it's instantly yeah and breathe fresh air definitely yeah I I feel incredibly lucky to have sailing in my life in the sense that it gives you space and um, (coughs) peace of mind that Mm. I don't know if I would get if I um, maybe mountaineers get this or people who are doing other sports that take you far out into nature mm. sailing is really quite an incredible way of life and if you are also doing I, I do paddle boarding and I'm just getting back into kite surfing and that kind of stuff you do those things alongside it you get to see the water from every angle yeah. it really gives you amazing headspace no I can imagine going forward then where do you see this business going and also how do you see your role what do you want your role to evolve into yeah Uh, my absolute passions are storytelling actually so I really love marketing and that kind of stuff is great but it's actually about the stories about what's going on that really is what I want to carry on focusing on so whether it's the story of our business and how it grows with the process I go through with my brother as we build this project or actually what customers are doing with their life jackets like I really love hearing about friends who go and do the fast net in it or tomorrow the middle sea race is starting in Malta and we know that there are several boats with Timo life jackets on board and just following people's race journeys or people who are cruising around the world and what they go and see like their stories I love and I really want to find a way to build that into the business actually and whether it's through really beautiful photography 
or video vlogs and that kind of stuff to kind of remind people that although safety products fundamentally are not particularly a sexy product mm. to try and sell, it's what you're going to do whilst you're wearing that product yeah. that can be Actually, anything I think amazing. Jackets, I think that's quite a cool one. Like, a cool I product. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I told my dad, because my dad and my godfather say, like, I, used oh, to, yeah. I did a few weekends, as I haven't been since maybe like 15, 16, yeah. but I was telling dad about it, he was like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, <laughs> that's cool, yeah. Like, yeah. I think, it, yeah, it's a good one. As a piece of gear, like, you're only really... You can go that much further if you've got really good gear with you. And I find other brands like um, Patagonia, for instance, or North Face and those kind of brands really inspiring because they are very much more about enabling their customers to go and do whatever it is that floats their boat. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that Timo kind of carries on going in that direction as well. Mm -hmm. So we won't stick just with life jackets. In the longer term, we are looking at adding a couple of other um, products to our range and just building it out very carefully so that it always makes sense and it always is helping build this package of products that lets customers go and do their own cool thing. Yeah, yeah. it's not just a product for product's sake. No, like, absolutely not, yeah. 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 I don't think the world needs more product that. just yeah, for yeah. the sake of product. Absolutely. And what about you as a kind of co-founder? Like, your life, how much do you see yourself invested in this and your kind of day-to-day, -day, how many hours do you want to be putting in 10 years yeah. down the line? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think... That kind of comes back to your point earlier about specifically being a woman in business, actually, because I think if you want to have a family life alongside work, and I'm not saying my brother doesn't also have this, he just, maybe we see it from slightly different angles. I think one of the amazing things about being self-employed or building this business as a co-founder is that, in theory, <laughs> if things continue to grow and you can have a very small but carefully chosen team, you can also balance it with having a family life alongside that mm. and I think that's going to be one of my big challenges maybe over the next 10 20 years yeah. um, building businesses I think always takes three times as long as you think it's going to so probably when we started six years ago we imagined that by this point we would be much further down the road the reality is you don't ever go directly to that one goal that you first had in mind yeah, <laughs> yeah we've achieved we've kind of gone you know left yeah. right every other way other than down the middle down the clear road because of the hurdles that you encounter along the way. But then I just think you're so much wiser for it now. Definitely, you, yeah. Like all of those lessons that we were saying earlier, like the legal stuff that you never like, you just suddenly you have all of that knowledge yeah. and like you know what to do, what not to do. It's, yeah. Um, more what not to do. <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> probably what not to do. I feel like I have a few things I know I want to achieve, both personally and professionally, in 10 years' time. And Which I are? would love to say <laughs> I'm going straight to them, but the reality is you'll end up going all around them. And, around the houses to get to the same goal yeah. in 10 years time yeah um, <laughs> that would make me 40 that would make me 40 yeah, yeah. I a, yeah I know <laughs> I mean from a day-to-day -day standpoint like I, I know how much I'd like Timo to be doing in terms of sales by that point mm. but um more kind of excitingly or more kind of hands-on like the product range will be in a different place but it will still be in the sort of water sports and marine industry for sure yeah. um, and I'm really excited about sort of developing that along the way it's hard to say it's hard to say exactly that's not a very good answer to that no, question but it's I think you know what it's you're thinking about it do you know what I mean that's yeah. what I love about this you can just dream big and it's kind of I think when you set yourself even when I turned 27 at the beginning of August mm. and I just wrote on my notes on my phone just what I want to achieve this year by the time I'm 30 and 35 exactly. and it's not it's not like set in stone but for instance by 35 I've put something like start a family like as yes, in, or just, exactly, just have yeah. it there yeah, yeah. like it's not saying 31 must have baby number one exactly it's just yeah. have it 
yeah. just check it. Like, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I love the idea of having a family, yeah. and the reality is that the hours we work at the moment would make it really difficult for me to do that. Like, we start at eight, and officially the rest of the team, the production team, and the staff finish at four Oscar and I never leave the office at four we're routinely there until seven yep. um, if something really busy is on or up against a big deadline we just work until it's done um, yeah, yeah so that could be any time and if you had small children you 100% would not be able to do that mm. and I think that part of the goal setting that comes with that is saying okay in five years time or however long we need the team to be at a stage where that is actually a viable thing for to, for us whichever one of us it is that's got the kids yeah. um to go home at the right time and for that to be not only okay but it kind of takes acceptance from the whole team i think mm, yeah definitely. a part of me does think when i when i've interviewed some mums that are juggling both though is that whenever it happens you'll make it work i'm a big believer in yeah, that as well like yeah it's just, exactly it'll just fit in yeah you'll, you'll sort it out yeah. okay let's end with statements okay being my own boss means being able to set my own goals and on a smaller level i would like to take more than the average national holiday days per year that's my goal wow i love that <laughs> i haven't hit it yet <laughs> i was gonna say like how close are you to hitting that actually this year i've been really lucky i've done lots of sailing overseas and so probably am quite close to it oh, this year but i think that, isn't it 25 days yeah 20, 20, 24 yeah, 25, days 25 I think it's 25 yeah, yeah. i that's feel like i'd consider myself a success if i knew that i could always take more than that yeah, yeah <laughs> so. definitely when it's not quite going to plan my advice would be to go for a walking meeting take the problem and whoever you need with you to, to solve it and go and walk somewhere and talk about it. Very rarely ever find the answer sitting behind a desk. I love that because a lot of the answers have said go for a walk and leave it, leave it at the desk and then go for a walk. I quite like that. I it's like, yeah, yeah, to be outside in that. Like, yeah. Have air. Like it goes back to honestly, me and fresh air. Yeah, like, to me, yeah, hundred like percent. A godsend. Like, yeah. yeah, our office helps. is very close to the water in Southampton, um, on the River Itchen, and so if we have a problem, Oscar and I will quite often take our coffee and go and walk down and look at some boats and just take five, don't talk about it, and then usually, whilst we're looking at the water or looking at the boats, we're like, right, that's what we've got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. Um, if I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I am. Learning as I go along. I, yeah, I think yeah. experience is everything. Yeah. You don't need a degree or a particular piece of paper or certificate to tell you how to do something. Mm. You can learn everything reading up in your own time if yeah. you need to. And I think that's a real mindset, as in it's that kind of don't let that put you off going into business when you yeah. don't know everything. It's that mindset that, so what if I don't know everything, I'll learn it. Yeah, exactly. I've heard other business founders, people who are much more successful than me, say that if they had known at the beginning everything that they were going to go through on their journey, they would never have started. Yeah, and yeah. there is probably quite a large grain of truth in that. 100%. Yeah. So, moving on to number four, go. <laughs> if I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself just to try and chill and not take anything personally. Mm -hmm. It really isn't personal. And stuff that you worried about a couple of years ago, they won't worry you in the future. I can think of instances, probably even a year ago actually, where I was so stressed I probably could have cried in the meeting. I was so wound tight. And actually I've had uh, the same meeting then come up this year and gone, I've seen this before, I'm not fussed. Like this is just... Yeah, passing. yeah, it's so funny how quickly you adapt and how your confidence grows throughout mm. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah no, I love that. And very lastly, I want my legacy to be that. I I want us to be known for 
really great product that saves lives and for Timo to keep thinking outside the box and coming up with innovative stuff that other people say, why hasn't this been done before? Yeah, yeah, love that, thank you. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Thank you, Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.